Well, happy spring and summer, hopefully right around the corner to you all here. Welcome back to the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Another exciting day. I actually had to close my window as we were recording as the birds were too loud here. This past week in Michigan, we've had a little bit of a warm spell after receiving snow over Easter weekend. We've quickly transitioned into early spring, which is really nice. It's, it's nice to see sun and warmer temperatures. You know, anything above 32 degrees in April is considered warm. So much like any of our brothers and sisters scattered throughout the Midwest, that's just something we deal with. So March and April is not the best weather, but every now and then you get these days where it's where it's clear and it's warm. For example, this past weekend, it was like 80 degrees, which was insane. Um, on um on like Saturday and then Sunday it was in the 70s but it was raining of course because again it is uh, by law you can't have two days with it with sunshine in a row as it seems so in any case I'm I'm just glad I'm more happy as of this recording be able to get out of the gloomy days of winter and you know there's a lot to be said of course about about living in the Midwest especially you know November through April but it is nice to be able to see all the seasons. It, it makes you appreciate the longer hours once the time change occurs and seeing more sun. And then when you're just getting sick of the hot weather, the fall's right around the corner again and so on and so forth. And you know, it's just it's the small things. And, you know, this was this is something that I was reading here this past week uh, that I found uh, rather impactful. I'm going back through the book of Job and the pe- people know Job. People know the ending. People know the beginning. But sometimes some of the... The verses in between uh, can get kind of lost, and and this is something that that is seen in Job's reply to oh, what's his name? What's his name? Bildad. That's right, Bildad. This is just from Job twenty six, and he begins to describe God. You know, he asks all these questions, and he's talking about God. Is that uh, he says he spreads out. The northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks over the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. (laughs) By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him, who then can understand the thunder of his power? And you know, this is this is something that kind of tied all in what I've been thinking about here as of late. Is these are these are just things that Job himself recognizes God to be. You know, he understands that like that God is in everything, and yet seeing the tapestry that he has woven for us just here on Earth. You know, talking about atmosphere. The, the water cycle, the, the way that the clouds um, and form and, and dump rain to give life, life-giving water back to the earth and everything else that goes on just in nature is but a whisper, is how Job describes it, in comparison to the thunder of his power. You know, later this, this summer, God willing, I'm going to be going on a trip with my father. We're going to be going and climbing actually the same mountain that we did 10 years ago. It's kind of a big trip for my dad and I. And we're going out to Colorado and we're climbing Mount Huron. It's one of the 14ers there in the Rockies that is just northeast of Denver. 
um, just outside of Buena Vista is where we will be going. And for for me, when you're up that high and you're able to see nothing but mountains, to think that that's just a whisper of God, it just gives me goosebumps, right? And, and the other thing is being able to see God in many things, if not all things, doesn't mean that God is in, you know, something as, um, something as inner as maybe like a brick, for example, like a man-made brick, but you can see how God demonstrates his beauty through the works of, of human hands and his own. And I wonder as Christians, this is kind of tied into the inherent value of things. You look at how beautiful green grass is in the springtime or a fresh cut lawn is in the summer uh, and the dew begins to sit on it in the evening as the sun's rays hit it just at the right angle where you can get this majestic Instagram photo, right? You see the the beauty and the colors of water you see them in the in the tropics and you see them in like the Mediterranean the Bahamas how how blue and bluish green and turquoise maybe the water is you see it in the mountains you see it on the beaches you see it in architecture uh, in man-made architecture you can see the craftsmanship that that he has gra- granted to, to certain people you see this everywhere right you you experience it in in the solemn places where you're able to just to listen to nature listen to the birds chirp for example the the sound of rushing water in a waterfall or a river. You see this all the time. And being able to stop for a moment to see God in those small things and to be able to appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot of people that just love going on walks. They love going on walks like my father and I. We just like to do that, like going on bike rides and seeing the countryside and just seeing the, the beauty there is uh, out there. But we also, you know, personally, we just love to um, experience each other. Um, out outside. That's why we do activities all the time. And what, what I'm getting to is being able to see inherent value or the potential to see inherent value in everything and in ev- everyone that we come across and we experience. Behavior is what separates people, obviously, when it comes to disagreements about sin and, and, and holiness. However, what it doesn't do is it ought not to diminish the inherent value that the God the Father has on his children. Something that I've been thinking about as of late is that we, we this dichotomy that exists between, you know, again, we've we've said it all the time. It's that age-old thing of, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Well, there's a lot of truth to it, but the message has always been, you know, hate the sin, hate the sinner even more because they are committing the hateful sin and they're not repenting of that. Well, yeah, because Jesus was known for his hate, right? He called out evil for what evil is. He called a, he called people out of sin. He asked them to make a choice. But he never shamed the sinner, the person that was not expected to adhere to, again, the Jewish customs or later the Gentile con- converts' customs and moral traditions. Again, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. He wasn't always blaming the sick for being sick. It's a product of sin, that people are born into debauchery and, and terrible home lives and situations, right? That's what we would acknowledge. But you still have to make a choice. It does not take away the person's own liberty from the matter. And we oftentimes forget that there is a median here, that we do want to love people. We That's how the love of the Father is displayed, that if we love one another, it's Jesus' own words. They will know you because of their love. Well, love also comes with 
um, not an abandonment of boundaries, not the disillusionment of behavior differentials. It is ultimately, inherently, a standard. Love, perfect love does a lot of things. Obviously, it casts out all fear, but we, we read that at weddings of what Paul says about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. It does not, ang- does not become angry, right? But yet, we know love to do that all the time. But he's talking about the godly love, right? The godly love that we are supposed to have for one another and, and never more present than in a godly Christian marriage between a husband and a wife. Well, when you take that and you bestow that same love to people who don't have the same values, we're not, we ought not to expect anything in return because that's not what Christ did. He wasn't, all right, now what are you going to give me? He did demand people's lives and their souls from them, but that's for their own benefit. That's not for his benefit. God does not lose something if we don't worship him. He's still whole and complete. He does not need our support, our love, but he mourns because he knows that we have lost something if we chose to not be involved with him in his life. Those are the differences. And as Christians, if we can see the beauty in nature, we can see the beauty in um, our daily interactions with one another and with and a, a newborn baby, the, the love a mother has for her child and how the, the children just nestle up to the bosom of their mothers and listen to that heartbeat, something that they're so used to being in the womb. We can see that beauty. But what if we can also see that in one another, this true beauty that does not diminish based on behavior the potential for every human life to, to live in this true beauty is real. Some people will forever reject it, and we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that. Does that mean we ever stop pursuing and showing that love? But people do have to make a choice. Most fundamental question anyone will ever ask and then have to answer for themselves is what have you done with Jesus Christ? Everyone has to come, everyone has to come to a conclusion with that question. Whether you hate him, you're indifferent, or you love and you want to serve him. You, everyone has to answer that question, and they will be forced to eventually. All will bow, whether they want to out of their sheer will or whether they are forced to in, into submission eventually. These are some things that I'm just talking about. Can't can we, we see this inherent value in each other and look down just as the Father did? You think about the call to Matthew, uh, Levi, you know, Levi, the tax collector, and later to be named Matthew, betrayer of his own people. And Christ called him. Do you think the other disciples really like that? You can see a depiction that's, that has some creative liberty in it in the, the chosen when Jesus calls Matthew out of the tax collector's booth. And then there's, they, they depict it as, you know, like Peter asking Jesus, don't you know who he is? Don't you know what he's done? He goes, yeah. Of course I do, and I do know him. So talk about that outsider coming into his own people, like he's ripping them off and taking a couple off himself, living large while being a friend of the Roman government who's persecuting his own people. He's a traitor, right? And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, follow me. And he does. Then he writes a gospel about him, right? So as it seems, if Jesus can do that, so can we. These are just some thoughts. Appreciate your time. Much love to you all. 
Happy Eastertide as we head towards Pentecost. May God bless you and may God keep you.